Northwest Prime, bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com, and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365, for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness, and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. Welcome back to Northwest Prime. I'm your host again, Lori Ness. I'm here all the time. never changes. Today, my guest is Matt Wilson. You may remember Matt's been on my show in the past. He's the founder and the creative director of Privateer Press, which is a fabulous and successful Seattle company actually out of Bellevue. And Privateer Press has a lot of irons in the fire. They have a lot of creative people working over there, and they have some very exciting things going on. Matt was uh, kind enough the last time he came on the show to kind of give me a video game tutorial 101 because I just didn't have a lot of background. And I'm a lot more educated than I was the last time we talked. I'm going to use my educated skills out on him today. And Matt is started a video game, and there's a Kickstarter program that to say it's successful would totally be an understatement. They blew through their goal of $550,000 in under 35 hours. So Matt's going to come on and tell us about the Kickstarter program, the video game, what's in store for Privateer Press, and what what goals that they're meeting now that they've met their first goal so fast. There's now more things in in line. And so, Matt, thanks for coming on. Are you there, Matt? I'm here. I'm here. Sorry, we're okay. having some uh, technical difficulties. Okay. okay. There you are. Okay. But were you able I'm to here. hear me? Okay. Yeah, I did. I heard everything. I heard everything. So <laughs> let me start over. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> I am thrilled to have are you. Are you doing all right? Now, this, okay. yes, I can hear you just fine. So th- this Kickstarter okay. program, why don't you tell everybody about your vision with the video game and then the Kickstarter program and then kind of where where you see it going? Sure, sure. Uh, well, in Privateer Press, uh, 10 years ago, we started producing a tabletop miniatures game called War Machine. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that's set in a fantasy setting called the, the Iron Kingdoms where magic and technology work together. And the game is all about these big battles that are uh, waged between warrior mages who are in command of these giant uh, steam-powered robots and armies of, of crazy fighting warriors and monsters. And uh, we've been wanting to create a video game expression of War Machine for, for years and years. Um, and we have some fantastic partners in a, a Los Angeles-based studio called White Moon Dreams that we've been working together uh, with for about five years to try and figure out how to do this. Um, and, uh, and for a few years, we were uh, trying to navigate the, uh, the greater traditional video game industry um, sort of taking the, 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 the tried and true route of uh, finding a publisher or financiers to try and make a game. And um, that industry is in a, in a crazy state of flux right now. There's been a lot of uh, consolidation and layoffs and, you know, changes in that industry. And they're also on, uh, on the cusp of a, uh, a, a console generation shift as well as still trying to figure out how mobile gaming is going to impact uh, the traditional console gaming and, and where all this stuff fits together. So it's just sort of a crazy place to, to get a footing in right now, especially if you have a very specific thing that you want to do, um, which, is, which is what we did. So um, 
over the past uh, year and a half, we've been watching the the Kickstarter movement sort of and this crowdfunding movement um, blossom and embrace and support larger and larger projects. And uh, after a lot of of uh, just analysis and soul searching and uh, and debate, we finally decided that you know this this was an opportunity that we could. Uh, that we could seize on to try and do this game on our own the way we wanted to do it and the way we believe that the, the players of War Machine and the player, you know, video game players at large are going to want to see this game uh, made. And so that's why we went through the Kickstarter, Kickstarter platform to, uh, to try and get this done. We spent several months um, creating a, a presentation and uh, developing the, the early uh, core of the game so that we'd have something to show and, and be able to, you know, prove to people that this is something that we can do, that we're going to be able to deliver it and be able to have their confidence behind this, uh, the, this Kickstarter program. And we launched uh, on the 10th, uh, just, uh, I guess that was six days ago. And yeah, like you said at the beginning, in, in less than 35 hours, we hit our goal of $550,000, which, uh, which is the sort of the, what we set as the minimum threshold to be able to, create sort of the most streamlined vision of this game. And at this point, we're, we're just coming up on $810,000 of funding, which has allowed us to add a lot more features and content to the game and really uh, is going to give us the budget to, to create a very polished experience. We've got 24 days left to go in the campaign, which is uh, also going to give us a lot of opportunity to create more promotion and bring more eyes to this project and hopefully more support that will again, increase the funding and just let us make a, a bigger and better project and, again, you know, do it, do it all our own way. Now, for uh, pe- people who might not understand what, like, like I do, well, I, I'm just kind of just learning, but there's, there's an easy buy-in for this. It's like $20 is, is the you, – you can get into this for $20, right? And then it unlocks certain things for you as the player. Yeah, Kickstarter is a really interesting kind of uh, – it's almost a game in itself, the way it's developed over the last couple of years, right? Um, basically, the way Kickstarter works is you, you make an account there, and then you, uh, you look through projects that you might want to back. And the, the idea is, um, you know, to, to sort of, like, clarify, uh, backers aren't making a donation. You know, a donation is money that's given without, uh, without an expectation, right, that you're, when you donate money to something. And with, the, with Kickstarter, what you're doing is you're actually pledging money. And, um, and a pledge is a little bit different because a, a pledge has sort of uh, a condition attached to it, right? As the backer, you're saying, I'm pledging this money to you in return for uh, a promise that you're making me. And in our case, what we're promising to do is deliver, uh, deliver this video game. Um, now, by, by putting those pledges in, what you're doing is, is actually funding the development of the game. So the game doesn't exist right now. It's, it's, we've, we've started it. We've got hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of development in it. Uh, to prove, you know, where we could where we could take this and to be able to show it right now, but we need a lot more to actually get the game done. And we have a target release date of a year from now. So anybody who's pledging is basically helping us finance this game to get it done. And the more people that we are able to bring to it, the more it lets us do with the game. Um, and so uh, there's there's also with Kickstarter the idea is to to try and incentivize those pledges and to uh, generate, you know, as much revenue from your, for your product as possible, or your project as possible, um, uh, by offering various rewards and incentives and, and things. Um, and that's how the, 
the system is set up. So when you go on to a Kickstarter project, what you see is a description of the project and then a column of the rewards that the, the creator has set up. And in our case, it starts with um, a $20 pledge. That gets you the game. And, uh, and so a year from now, what we'll do is we'll, we'll uh, send our backers a game via digital download, and, um, and it'll have everything in it that we've, that we've made at that point. Um, there's, there's more reward levels along the way that, uh, that offer additional perks, exclusive kinds of things that you might have just in the game, as well as, well as a lot of physical goods that, uh, that we're able to manufacture as private your press. And those are really designed to appeal to the, the people who play the, uh, the tabletop games. So we're offering a bunch of exclusive miniatures, uh, the, the small hobby kits, that, um, that you won't be able to get anywhere else like this. And each one of those is designed to um, – is, is manufactured so that it, it contributes additional funds to, uh, to the budget of the video game. Um, what's really neat about Kickstarter, though, is, is once – once the project passes its goal, you go into this overfunding period, and those are driven by what are called stretch goals. And so the project creators will um, will design these stretch goals to at, at various levels, which will say, you know, once once we hit this amount of money, we'll be able to do this additional feature in the game, or we'll be able to offer you this other uh, content. And in the case of the War Machine Tactics game that we're uh, that we're doing on on Kickstarter. Um, each one of those stressful levels that we hit allows us to put more content in the game, to create more features, and every one of those features and additional content will will go into uh, or will will be made available to the backer for no cost. So basically, what happens is that twenty dollar pledge keeps becoming a greater and greater value proposition for the backer because the more people that come to the project and the the, the greater the uh, uh, the amount of pledges rise, the more we can do with the project, and the, basically the more you're getting for your money. So it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty crazy and interesting system. So a lot of this seems then to be fan driven, so to speak, because you're taking it as far as the fans are are, are driving the movement as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, part of the reason that this was a, a viable proposition for us is because uh, the tabletop game War Machine has been very successful. It's played all over the world. It has hundreds of thousands of people that are uh, that are playing it, and um, and so we knew that there was a a community that wanted this game. We're in touch with that community every day, so we you know we're we're aware of their desires and the, the kinds of things that they want to see happened with this uh, this property that they love. So so we knew that that by by making sure we had great uh, rewards to offer the, the people who play this game that we'd be you know that we'd be able to appeal to this community and, and get some initial support. Um, what's what's been very satisfying though is that the uh, because of the the rapid funding that that we experienced in that, that first uh, two day period it's brought a lot of eyes from uh, all kinds of media, uh, the, the greater video game uh, media at large, as well as, as even media beyond that. And every one of those uh, opportunities has exposed more people to the project, and we're seeing a lot of, of people who, are, uh, who have never seen War Machine before. They're, they're unaware of the tabletop experience. They're, um, 
you know, they have an interest in video games, obviously, and that's that's what's drawing them to the project. But uh, but they don't know the property, and they're they're seeing this for the first time, and they're pledging. And so our community is growing uh, exponentially at the moment as as people come to this project. And some of that may actually sort of uh, benefit the the tabletop community as well, because we've seen a lot of comments of people saying, "Wow, I really want to try out the tabletop game now." Um, but more than anything, it's expanding the awareness of the property, which is going to let us do a lot of great things with it in the future. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because it is going to attract probably people who weren't playing the tabletop game. So is it an easy transition for people who aren't, who haven't played the tabletop game than to play the video game? And or will it be a benefit to those people who know the tabletop game to transition into the video game? Uh, I think for anybody who's who's played the tabletop game, it offers a, a familiar experience, but something that's also unique and new, and so it's, it's more of a complimentary experience to the tabletop game. Um, for anybody who has never experienced War Machine before, uh, War Machine Tactics, the, the video game, is, um, is very accessible to anyone who has played turn-based strategy games or even video games at all. And, um, you know, all of the, uh, the sort of rules and math is under the hood, so to speak. So it's something that people can dive right into very quickly um, and, and start experiencing the world without, you know, having to necessarily read hundreds of pages of rules in these elaborate rule books that we make for the tabletop. Um, and, and so, and it, and it also, it, uh, it's been designed to, uh, to fit in a, a genre, a category of video games called, called tactics games or, um, or the, you know, with the longer description being turn-based strategy games. And, and that's a, there's a lot of people, you know, just like uh, you hear the term first-person shooter or something like that, like those, mm-hmm. those sort of, Tags are, are things that, uh, that video game players automatically know, like kind of what to expect from the experience in general, right? So by, by calling it War Machine Tactics, that was a way for us to sort of brand it and say, like, it's, it's, the world is War Machine, but it's a tactics game, and you'll know, you know, kind of what to expect from that, even if you don't know the world at all. Yeah, uh, Medal of Honor was the first uh, first-person shooter game, and we all know how successful that ended up being. I have a, a couple questions that came in that I want to ask you, and uh, uh, that a couple people have uh, sent in. And they want to know if it's uh, an open world or if it's a set world. Uh, it's it's not an open world game in in that sense. Um, it's a it's a really large world that we've developed over the last ten years. The way the game is actually played is in is in a match style. So um, you can play either against the the computer AI or you can play against a, a live opponent. And um, and what you what you're doing is basically uh, taking turns, um, uh, maneuvering and and attacking with this this squad that you have built prior to the match. So um, so before the game. You, you build a squad that's composed of a bunch of different crazy characters and robots, and uh, and then you can go online and either play against a, a friend or you can use our matchmaking system to find somebody, to find an opponent to play with. Um, and then uh, basically once the, the match settings are, are plugged in there, you guys are playing and the game will take anywhere from, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, alternatively, you can play uh, against an AI in what we call skirmish mode, which is Basically the same thing as playing online, except that, that you're just playing against the computer AI. 
Um, and then there's also a, a campaign experience, which is um, a story-driven experience where you're you're following a, uh, a central character, and there's a, a degree of sort of role-playing game light uh, uh, skill progression as you go from uh, sort of chapter to chapter along this campaign. And each of the each of those chapters is played out as a uh, you know as again a, a sort of a match style where a scenario has been set up. Um, and it's you playing against the, the computer AI, but there's a lot of story going on there. So there's dialogue between the characters, and there are objectives beyond just a you know a simple clash of arms. And and by the end of the storyline, what you've done is follow a character through their heroic journey from uh, from A to Z, and and you know got to see their development and everything in the world that they impact along the way. And then I have a, another question that, and I, I don't even know if you can answer this yet because the game's still in the development, but they're wondering if uh, along the player's quest, if they'll be able to unlock items that they can use kind of randomly throughout the game, like a lighted sword or something like that. Oh, um, the game really doesn't have gear like that. Uh, it's, you know, it's not, um, it's not like an MMO where you're sort of picking up loot and things like that. The, uh, the characters have each one has their own sort of kit and their own skills and abilities. And uh, but what we do have is an experience system. So characters um, do uh, they they do acquire experience through the course of gameplay, uh, particularly multiplayer. This is important because um, every time you play a match, your character has an experience. And once they hit certain levels, they start to unlock. Um, a, a couple of different things uh, that you can use in your squad building. So there's we have what are called bonds and tactics. And tactics are kind of like new skills and abilities or uh, performance upgrades that your your warrior characters of your squad um, uh, can can plug into the to your uh, to that squad building to make the, them a little bit more efficient or to tailor them to be more uh, specialized in certain ways. Um, bonds are a pretty are a pretty big concept, and they're very unique to to our setting. Um, in the world of War Machine, your your squad or your army is led by a character called a Warcaster, and a Warcaster is kind of a uh, a battle mage. They're they're uh, they're they're superhuman um, and very powerful, and uh, they have awesome weapons and armor as well as a whole arsenal of magic spells. They've got they've got everything you could ever want. And they also are in telepathic control of these, these steam-powered robots that we call warjacks. And um, the warjacks are are semi-autonomous, so um, they don't talk, but they're kind of like they're more like a cross between a dog and a tank. And they are the loyal companions of the warcaster, and the warcaster is able to uh, mentally command these things as well as channel their own magical power into the warjacks to to sort of augment and boost their combat performance. And so over time, as these uh, warcasters and warjacks survive uh, battles together, they form uh, a relationship, and, it, and, and we call that a bond. And that bond can manifest in ways that changes the behavior and the, the performance of the actual warjack in battle, and they may take on uh, different kind of character traits. So where they kind of start out as these, these uh, you know, just very robotic machines, over time they start to develop personalities and quirks, and uh, and they become you know every the the relationship between that warcaster and the warjack is as close as as any you know two battle brothers would 
experience over uh, over time. All right, but let's take a quick break real quick, and then we're going to come back. I have some more questions to ask you, and we want to talk to you about Comic-Con that's coming up. And so we're going to take a, a quick break. I need to play a song from Pamela Moore. She was with Queensryche. Uh, she was on the Operation Mindcrime album of the century, really, and she has a new album out called Resurrect Me, and this is Resurrect Me. I'm going to be back with Matt Wilson. We're going to answer some more questions in just a moment.
formerly of Queensryche here in Seattle, one of the best albums ever, Operation Mindcrime. Pam was on that. This is her new album, Resurrect Me. I picked that song because it has that locked and loaded uh, refrain in there, which reminded me of when I went to the locked and load convention that Privateer Press had of about a month or so ago. Pam will be on the show next week, so we will be talking to her about her new album, That Chick Can Rock, that is for sure. Um, I'm back with Matt Wilson, and Matt is the founder and the creative director of Privateer Press. You know I'm a huge fan. Matt's been on the show in the past. Um, he has a huge, huge following, and I am glad to finally have caught on to this as well. I was very impressed when I went to the Lock and Load. Um, Matt has surrounded himself with an amazing, and I mean, I can't even say this. I mean, amazing isn't even the right word because it's better than amazing. It's whatever is better than amazing. It's of a, a talent and kind and nice people who just took the time to, for someone like me who really didn't know anything about gaming, uh, Simon was absolutely wonderful to me. I have to say thank you to Simon for the amount of time that, that he spent showing me around and introducing me uh, and, and, and basically teaching me the game from, from the ground up. It was absolutely just a fantastic experience. A lot of people came from all over the world to experience this once you're there, it makes total sense why they would be there. And I encourage you to go to privateerpress.com and, and keep up with what Matt and his team are doing and and, and check out some of these um, uh, lock and load type of events that, that they're putting on. Anyway, I'm back with Matt. We have some more questions for Matt. And um, I, well, the first one is a comment, Matt. Um, someone said that they had just went and saw a sample of the geography. and It was very detailed and extremely high quality. And so that I that's got to be a really good compliment. Yeah, it's uh, that's fantastic, and that's that is the uh, the talented team at White Moon Dreams, the the developer that we're working with to create War Machine Tactics. Uh, they they part of the reason I think that Privateer and White Moon Dreams are so compatible is because we're both so focused on the visuals, on the artwork, and the story, and uh, and so we really um, we really have a great collaboration going there. And they have just a, a brilliant team of artists that they have assembled uh, over the years of building their studio, and they are they're bringing this world to life, um, uh, you know, in in a way that we've never had the opportunity to see before. And uh, and so you know, and and there's no stone is left unturned, right? They're they're putting the the same level of detail into just every square inch of of what they're doing, whether it's a character. And you know how they're creating the textures and weathering and lighting effects on these characters, or the the maps that you're going to be playing this stuff out on. I mean, there's you can you can fly around in the world with the camera controls and see like every bit of detail anywhere, and they they want you to be able to do that. So you know every sandbag, every stone, every blade of grass is in there, and I think it's a and it's a pretty big. Um, uh, I, I think it's a it might be kind of a, a more unique approach to this kind of game, right? I think that uh, for these tactic style games, uh, in general, you have a fixed camera and you don't have as much control over um, necessarily what you're seeing. And uh, the the point of War Machine Tactics is to really immerse you in the world as much as uh, a tactics game can. And so um, they've just they've made it beautiful. It's, it's fantastic. And as, as a Mac user, this next question um, is close to my heart. So people want to know, is there a Mac version as well as a PC version? Yeah, you bet. I'm a Mac user, so that was a uh, that was a deal breaker if that wasn't going to happen. So we are we're producing this for Mac and PC. Um, what's great is uh, when it comes out, 
if your friend is a Mac person and you're a PC person or vice versa, you'll still be able to play against each other if you want to play the multiplayer together or the co-op mode. Um, they're going to be uh, they're going to be able to talk to each other and um, and we'll have it on both platforms. Great, great one. And just a plug, I, I don't have any Apple stock at all. I wish I did, but once you go back, <laughs> you never go back because they are they are That's fantastic. Right. I, I, I really thought it was going to be really hard to use, like like if, like a big DOS screen was going to come up and like a big flashing black screen with a little cursor. But, it you know, and so I was really afraid when I first got my Mac. But it couldn't have been any easier. It is so, so simple. There's been this huge um, ruse that's been perpetrated on the public that Macs are difficult when they're extremely, extremely easy to use. That's just I, my I, commentary. I've, I've, always, I've always been a fan. So, yep. Well, let's talk about Comic-Con because we have a lot of questions uh, from people who are um, going to Comic-Con, and they want to know if you guys are going to be there again. Um, you usually are, so they want to know if you're going to be there and you're going to have a, a booth. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we're we always there. We're usually just right down the main aisle in Hall D. Uh, usually you can, you can walk by uh, Hasbro on one side, Gentle Giant on the other, and then uh, you take another step and you'll find us. And does, does Comic Con open tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow night. Uh, I, I I don't have the exact times, but usually Wednesday they open sometime in the afternoon between four and six, I think, uh, for what's called preview night. So that's sort of the uh, the the early bird night for anybody who who can get there. And then uh, and then it opens again the next morning, Thursday morning. Okay, and it runs through the weekend as well. Um, and yep. from what I understand, this is the last time in San Diego after all of these years. It's leaving San Diego. That's that's kind of sad. Oh, I, I didn't know. They actually said so. Well, that's that that was the rumor that I heard that they were they're moving it to Anaheim or LA or something. This is going to be the last year oh, in San Diego. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm I could a, be wrong. I'm not an expert, and I'm I'm not on the front line news, but I I thought I heard that they put that to rest and that. Uh, San Diego is actually expanding the uh, the convention center with a, a fairly uh, significant add-on that'll it'll keep it there for uh, for the indefinite future, which is good because we oh, love it there. Oh, I hope so. Uh, yeah, th- th- I I definitely hope so because it started there and that's that's where it should be. So I I I hope that they did that at least give San Diego the opportunity to, you know, to to, to expand. I mean, Comic Con isn't what it used to be. I went to Comic Con. Um, <laughs> way, way, way back in the 70s with my neighbor who was a Star Trek kid. And he was like 12 and I was like 12. And his parents would drop us off there for the day and then they'd come back and pick us up just to, I'm sure, get rid of us. And um, it wasn't like what it is now at all. Comic-Con wasn't. But I wish that I had some of that stuff left over that I threw away from Comic-Con 1974, 75, because probably sure. worse now. <laughs> It might, it might be. It, uh, it definitely has changed. I started going to Comic Con uh, professionally in 1992, and uh, and so it's been it's been a pretty long run there as well. And back then, it was you know it was very much uh, about the comic books and some collectibles and things like that. And then as comics uh, really boomed there in the early 90s, it brought a lot more of the the different mainstream media to it, and toys and collectibles who started to to rise and. Uh, and now it's become this pop culture phenomenon that you just can't experience anywhere else. Absolutely, that it, I don't even recognize it anymore. But it's it's great that it it has such a fan base. 
um, because it just opens up, you know, things like what, like what you're doing to more and more just uh, the, the general population as well. I mean, you, you, you represent a whole segment of people around the world who already know, but there's, there's so much more through, through events like Comic-Con where there's more, like you said, it's got more mainstream where, where uh, there, there'll be a lot more people walking by and, and, and asking questions and getting involved. Right, right. So let's see, do you have anything else that you that – we need to talk about. I want to make sure everybody goes to privateerpress.com so that they can that they can get samples of this stuff. They can uh, join the Kickstarter program, and I mean, there's there's not a lot of time left on it, less less than a month, but they can still get in on it and be a, a part of this uh, as as soon as the video game drops, and then they will be sent a download version of it and can start playing right away with everybody else that that same that same day, which is exciting to be part of that world that's going to get that on that day. I can't even imagine. Right. No, I, I, we're, we're so excited for it. It's, uh, it's a great feeling to know that we have, uh, that we've achieved the level of funding that we need to, to make this project and that, uh, you know, we're already working on it. So it's, it's going to be a seamless sort of uh, continuation of what we've been doing to, you know, going into full production on this game. And we're looking forward to the year ahead of us. So anybody that wants to check it out can, uh, you need to go to privateerpress.com and uh, hit the link from there, or you can go on kickstarter.com and you can do a, a quick search for uh, War Machine Tactics, and it'll it'll bring the project right up, although we've had some uh, feature spots on, on the front page lately, so you might be able to just, like, click it right from there. And then if you do go on the page, uh, if you've never been to Kickstarter before, the first thing you'll see is a big, um, a big video window, just like YouTube. You hit that play button, and you'll see a five-minute video of us uh, – uh, showing off the the game and you know talking about the different features and and you know kind of giving a sneak peek into what it looks like and then uh, if you're interested in finding out more about it you can just scroll down the page which is probably about a mile and a half long at this point um, of just uh, lots of information and pictures of uh, you know the the background of the game the world as well as like what the game's going to be like when when you're able to play it. And then from there, we talk about the company. If you're interested in some of the background on uh, Privateer Press and White Moon Dreams, why we're doing this Kickstarter, what our motivations are, and then uh, some of the more important information is all about the rewards. And we've got lots of lots of great uh, uh, images up there showing the different rewards, the different miniatures, uh, the different digital exclusives and artwork and things like that that we're being able to offer through this project. And we've got more stuff going up uh, over the next uh, the next week or so that will add to the incentives and rewards that we have that, uh, that are helping to sort of drive the funding for this uh, project. So we've got 24 days to go. We ended uh, just before midnight on August 9th, and, uh, and I'm sure we're going to be having a great celebration at that point. I bet. I bet you will because this is really just an amazing community, and I am really thrilled to, to see such an active participation with the fans because it really gives them even a, a, a bigger and more intense experience to be with this from, from, from the ground up. And I will say it's a huge, huge fan base. When I had Matt on last time, I thought I was going to get decent numbers. You know, Matt and I, and I have talked about I mean, gamer guys and girls, they are just, I mean, I had huge numbers, like big rock star numbers. And I 
said, I have got to find out what's going on because I felt like the only one in the world who didn't know at that point, and I probably basically was. And so I am I am really happy to be a, a, a part of this community in, 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 a, in a small and little way and at least help spread the word out to novices like me because, I mean, the, the, the experts, I'm, they're already into this and they're already – loading up the Kickstarter program, but, but there's a lot of um, people like me who want to get involved as well, and uh, it's a it's a great, uh, fun time and w- really wonderful and talented people to be exposed to. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Thank you. And, I, and if I could say just thank you to our community that has supported us with this endeavor. Uh, they, it's, it's because of them that this is possible, and so we, uh, we love them for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I am going to play you another one of Pamela Moore's songs real quick called Awakening, and then I'll be back in just a moment.
was Pamela Moore. That chick can rock. And there's not a lot of really great women rockers, but, man, Pamela, she is the real deal. I met her at Roger Fisher's birthday party in February, and she did some singing at that party, too, and she was absolutely amazing. This is her new album, Resurrect Me, and that was Awakening off of that album. And I played Resurrect me from that album um, previously in the break. I want to thank Matt Wilson for coming on again from Privateer Press. Be sure to go to privateerpress.com and stay up with all the great things that they are doing. They just have the most fantastic artists and creative minds working for them. It really comes out through their work. And this video game, it's getting a lot of attention from just not underground movements or independent movements. It's getting, like, major recognition from big-time media. So it's it's going to be a big, big deal. It's already a big deal. They burned through their first Kickstarter goal of $550,000 in less than 35 hours. Are you kidding me? And let me tell you, when these shows go up with Matt Wilson and people from Privateer Press, big numbers. People from all over the world are really into this. And, um you know, I, I was late to the party, but I'm, I'm certainly glad that I'm there. Pamela Moore will be on the show next week. We're going to talk to her about uh, Operation Mind Crime and being a part of that historic album, as well as her new album. Yesterday I had Prima Donna on. They are starting a tour tomorrow with Adam Ant. They are also just fantastic uh, music coming from rock and roll with these guys. I'm going to go out today with... Sociopath. I think I'm going to play Sociopath from Prima Donna and their Bless This Mess album, which Stevie Van Zandt uh, called one of the top three albums of 2012. It is a great, great album. In fact, the back end of the album is just as good as the front end of the, of the album. So make sure that you check out Bless This Mess by Prima Donna. Thanks for joining us today, and we will be back soon with more great guests. And uh, be sure to go to privateerpress.com and follow Matt and his great group. And then you can also go to northwestprime.com for past shows. You can listen to the past interview that that I did a few months ago with Matt as well, um, basically where he taught me gaming 101. So um, have a great day, and this is Sociopath by Prima Donna. 